live from Fort Bragg's backyard. This is the show that put the 110 Nation on the map. There is only one nation, the 110 Nation. And you're listening to the 110 Nation Sports Show. Covering each and every sport across the board. There is no sport too large or too little. It's time to talk the talk. Here we go. Here's the man, the founder, and your host, Mr. CJ Sports. www.the110nationsports.com for all the latest going on here at the 110 Nation. Glad to be here on this Tuesday night back in the studio. Oh, Lord, it's been a hot second, but glad to be back here in the studio. Um, got to, uh, got, got, got to watch some racing last night. Got to watch, uh, NASCAR, um, as, as NASCAR's attempt of uh racing on dirt. Uh, yeah. Um there we go. Um the guys did do a show last night, race chat live, but they will be um they will be back in the studio tomorrow night. Um, with the race and the uncertainties of when it was going to fish and everything else, they decided to go ahead and push their show back to tomorrow night. Um, there was uncertainties on um, what time the race would be done last night, which was a good thing because it was it was real close to it would have been real close to showtime um, when the race finished out. And then also with the guests they got lined up, and then of course the show tonight, um, they went ahead. And just make sure that they just got everything locked in for um, tomorrow night. So uh, make sure you guys tr- uh, tune in to Race Chat Live right here on the 110 Nation Sports Radio Net- Net- Network. There we go. 8 o'clock. So make sure you guys don't miss that all night. Um, we're getting ever so much closer to um, the draft. <sighs> Watch the herd today. I'll tell you what. Colin, Colin Cowherd must see something that I just don't see when it comes to Trevor Lawrence. Um, I just don't get it. He's, he's talking about the best quarterback he's seen and puts him in the, the conversations of Andrew Luck and Cam Newton, which yeah, Cam Newton, I don't know if that was quite the, the field you want to be in, but um, amongst uh, the, what, six, six of the yeah, six of the 23 quarterbacks in the last, or 20 quarterbacks, whatever it is, to actually do 
I was drafted in the top 10 in the last 13 years, um, or 11 years, um, that has actually done anything. I, I know that Urban Meyer is kind of, kind of stuck in a situation. You, 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 you're kind of damned if you do because you're, you're going, you're, you're having to take this quarterback that everybody, well not everybody, but people are sold on, Jacksonville fans are sold on, and you're expected to draft with the number one draft pick because you don't have a quarterback. But the reality and the, the tales of the tape suggest that you're better off not drafting those quarterbacks, and I, I'll explain here in a second. But what happens if the tape is wrong? What happens if the stats are wrong and he ends up proving that he is worth the number one pick, then you're known as that head coach in your first year that you didn't take what would have been a for sure thing with the number one pick that possibly could have made or break, broke your career. But I'm, I'm just not sold on this. I, I understand how he, he, he's, he's 37 and 2, won a national title. He, he this and he that. Sure, it looks good on paper. 758 of 1138 with 10,000 yards, 90 touchdowns, 17 interceptions, and 43 sacks. Well, 43 sacks is a little bit high, but especially when you play in the ACC. And, and this is where this is going to go to because, first of all, you played most of your games, 26, 26 of your games, 26 of your 39 games was against an ACC opponent. So... Where where is the real threat of competition? I mean, we're, we're talking about a quarterback that had to go against the the likes of Boston College, Carolina, Duke, Wake Forest, NC State, Florida State. I mean, are 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 we serious? Like we're we're talking about the future of, of the Jacksonville Jaguars is resting on a quarterback that. Really, nobody. You know, you, you had a, a, a more valid of an argument if we were talking about you going 37 and 2 and you played in the SEC or you played in the Big Ten, but you didn't. You might as well have played, you, you might as well have ran the table in the MAC Conference or Conference USA or, or the Pac 12. Like, come on, like. I, 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 hell, I might have even been more impressed. Uh, you, you have a little more stiffer comp competition out west. So 26, 26 of your 37 wins. 26 of them. That'll lead you 11 other wins outside uh, of the 26 against the ACC. Three of them are against non-conference, non-major conferences. Berman, Wolford, and the Citadel. Come on, two of them. Do you even know where they're at? And, I mean, Citadel's the Citadel. I mean, I, I served in the Army, but come on, I be, you might as well be said that they beat up on Army, Air Force, and Navy as well. Like, so you're. So now, now, now we got 26 wins against the ACC, three wins against 
non-major conferences, Furman, Woodford, and Citadel. So 29 of your 37 wins, you played nobody. Now, we're, we're, we're listening to Colin Cowherd go on and on about a quarterback that's supposed to be one of the greats. Basically, a for sure thing. This this superb quarterback, this this superb athlete that, that has all the attributes and, and is above everybody else, and uh, the the only quarterback he's projecting to 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 do good out of the five quarterbacks or so that are going to be drafted in the first round, um, and, and he's only projecting one other quarterback to maybe do something, and that's one that falls in San Francisco with an offensive-minded head coach and uh, a team that's kind of just missing a quarterback, uh, and that's really it. All right, let's 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 continue rolling this because we're listening to the herd. Colin Cowherd, the the, 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 the no all. So let's let's retract for her. Let's 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 um wins against the undefeated. You might as well play high school football team. Three three wins out of your thirty seven against non major conference teams, Furman, Woodford, and Citadel. So so far twenty twenty nine wins out of thirty seven. That leaves eight wins. Um, and, and so right now you've got 29 easy wins, gimme games, basically buy wins. Then we've got one against Sunbelt Conference. There's there's some teams that I would take serious out of Georgia, but Georgia Southern is not going to be one of them. That'd be like saying they beat Ohio University, not Ohio State. They didn't. We're, we're not talking about the Georgia Bulldogs here. We're, we're talking about Georgia Southern. Okay, now we have another win. So they're, they're 30. 30 of your 37 wins. Nobody still at this point. All right, your next win comes against a Conference USA team. It's another major conference. Meet Charlotte. Didn't even realize Charlotte had a football team. I mean, I did, but come on. <laughs> Once again, you might as well play a high school football team. As a matter of fact, we, we, we can say high school level with the ACC, as pathetic as those football programs are. Georgia Southern, Charlotte, let's, let's, let's go with the, the, the reserve team, not, not even varsity high school. So that, that takes right there, takes care of 31 of your 37. So really, he's not beaten anybody to this point. Then you had your win against Ohio State in the 2019 Fiesta Bowl. With one of the, if not the most controversial calls, worst calls, in the Bulls history. Make it, it was end up being more about the SEC ref setting up a weaker team to play LSU in that national championship game versus Ohio State versus LSU, which that's what it should have been, which we want to watch LSU beat the holy crap out of Clemson. We would have watched a, a more balanced game and probably more likely a Ohio State win over LSU. 
Okay. So you got to win again to make the team. You got a team. You got to win one out of your thirty-one, one out of your thirty-two wins so far that we've talked about out of only thirty-seven wins, and it was all because, really, because of a controversial. I mean, he beat us, and we all know I'm not one to, you know, blame one call. Uh, you know, if Ohio State would have took care of the business like they should have, uh, the injuries and the bad call, and all. We, we, we still should have took care of business, even though that was one of the most controversial calls in bowl history. All right, then you have four wins against SEC. Oh, look, Mr. TJ Sports, you said SEC and Big Ten. That's, that's five wins right there. Ohio State with four SEC teams. 2018, they played at unranked, very weak, Texas A&M, South Carolina. So we're, we're, we're just above that high school level with those teams those years. We're not quite quality college. I mean, it's better than the ACC, better than those non-major conferences, better than the Sun Belt and Conference USA, but you're kind of playing the bottom of the barrel in 2018. 2019 rolls in, and Texas A&M is ranked 12th. And so we, we, we moved on up. Then they have the win against, so let's see, we got 30, 31, 32, 33, 36, 36 wins, 4, 5, 11, yeah. So you, you beat an unranked and weak Texas A&M in South Carolina 2018. Again in 2019, South Carolina was weak and unranked, Texas was a top 12 team, Texas A&M. You beat a beat an Ohio State team. Four calls. Bad bad officiating. Trying to set up a national title game, the SEC West. That's why I'm glad they changed it up this year. Um, even though Ohio State was clearly outplayed by Alabama, at least they changed it up. And especially when they played uh, Clemson, when Ohio State beat the crap out of Clemson. Um, no no cheating on the play calling and and stealing signs and signals and everything else. By non-SEC, I, like, I, I was a big fan of that. I'm sorry, but especially when you get down to your last four, none of the referees from any of those conferences should be officiated. There's too many conferences out there. You start pulling in your Big 12s, your, your Pac-12s, your MAC conference, your, your WAC conference. I don't care where you're pulling the officials from, but never should your Final Four football programs, should there be any officials from any of those programs dictating who goes to the national title game or who officiates the national title game. And then, of course, you got that one national title game that he's got underneath his belt. They played, they, they, they beat Alabama. They, they, they were fortunate. They played a very injured, played roll tie program in 2018. <laughs> given, given Lawrence his only national title in his unbelievable college career. So let's, let's let's recap here. 26 of your 37 wins against ACC. Nobody. Three of them against non-major conference uh, colleges: Furman, Wofford, and Citadel. One against Georgia Southern. And unless I would told you they were the Sun Belt Conference, most of y'all wouldn't know. Once again, we're Charlotte. Or if I, unless I would have told you Conference USA, you probably would have had no idea what conference they even played in. So that right there, there's your 31 of your 37 wins. 
won against Ohio State on controversial calls, four wins against SEC, um, three of them being unranked in weak SEC teams. Only one of those was actually ranked in those four. And then that Alabama team. Now this 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 makes him the best quarterback out of this this draft. This this is going to make him the one of very few quarterbacks in a class of very few. How how is that how is that work? I'm not really and, and Justin Fields, Ohio State Buckeye, who I'm big fans of. Even with him being in this draft class, I mean, none of them really impressed me. I, I do agree with Colin Cowherd on one thing. When you have the conference teams, Ohio State with Justin Fields, Alabama, Mac Jones, you have programs that have the best of the best. You have the best receivers, best offensive line. You have quarterbacks that have an opportunity to stay in the pocket forever, throw to wide open receivers. You're not going to have wide receivers as wide open as we see in the Ohio State Buckeyes games or the Alabama um, Roll Tide games. You're, you're just not. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. Uh, the NFL went ahead and proved, uh, approved um, a 17-game season, so we're going to get one more week of football. Glad to see that. I kind of wish they would have shortened since how many NFL players are, are not happy with this. Uh, one boohoo, get over it. You, you play 16 freaking weeks of football. Now you play 17. Throwing four four games, you get paid millions of dollars to play in work 21 weeks, <coughs> essentially. If you make the playoffs, then you get bonus and you play a little bit longer, but you get paid for that. You get compensated to play. Essentially, the season is then done by the beginning of February. Y'all don't come back until, what, September, August? You paid millions of dollars to work six months of the year. Big whoopsie-doo. I will agree. I, I feel that you should shorten the preseason, though. Either make it two-game preseason or one game. What's really the point? First preseason game, one, maybe a quarter and a half. Second preseason game, they might play half the game. Maybe even into the third quarter a little bit. Then you got them second or the third game. They play a quarter if lucky. Fourth quarter they might play a drive. Wait. Well, they do the usual because they first, third, and fourth, and fifth, and sixth rounders are an opportunity. As much money as they invest into the scouting. And as much film as they've watched, they buy. They know by now who they're going to keep and not going to keep. There has been very few to none that I've ever watched playing a preseason game and thought, "Damn, that that third string player playing that other third string offense or third string defense, they should they should have been." drafted in the first round. There's no, there's no doubt that they should have been signed. We pretty much know who's 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 who stayed on the team, who's not. <laughs> who's coming off the bench, who's gonna be cut. There there there's been a one in a million story that someone that was on the second, third, really the third, fourth squad 
that anybody in the office thought, man, they look really good against that other team's third and fourth string team. We need to sign him. We, we, we need to put him on our roster because he looked good against somebody that's not going to make it. But I, I, I don't, like I said, I, I don't feel sorry for the players. And, and, and I've seen some tweets, I've seen some comments. Like, get over it. You play in one more week, you still get basically six months off. That doesn't really change nothing. Like I said, I, I, I really think they should they should shorten the preseason to that end. Especially in a, in, a, in a league that is so worried about injuries and everything else. Why have these players out there playing one or, or two more games that are unnecessary? I, I don't get that, but... Uh, I, I do agree that um, uh, I, I do agree with the NFL that let's uh, let's go ahead and throw another game in there. Let's 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 mix this up a little bit more. Dennis Schroeder and the Lakers are reportedly far apart on contract extension. Schroeder's eligible for a four-year extension with up to eighty-nine million three hundred twenty-eight thousand dollars in base salary, basically eighty-four million dollars. Um, the largest possible extension could be described as four years, um, $83,328,000 or $91 million if including all incentives or something between if including only incentives. Um, the maximum he could sign for is four years, $84 million if he is totally maxes out what he is able to do in an extension. Um, I, I'm not quite sure why. We're at this point where Schroeder thinks he's worth more than four years, 84. I don't know when we got to the point where he thinks he's worth over $20 million a year. Um, but with the names that are in this Lakers team, one, that's not happening. Um, uh, he, 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 he's a solid player, a little too streaky, um, but... He's not worth twenty twenty million dollars. That's just that's insane. Um, a lot of moves this week as we watched uh, Marcus Aldridge go to the Brooklyn Nets, um, Blake Griffin to the Nets, um, Andre Drummond to the Lakers, and it, it, it's funny because this was this was whole, this was kind of riled up the whole super team. And, it, and it's it's funny to me because depending on if it's your team or not, whether or not you're pissed off. Like, I, I've never seen so many hypocritical fans in my life. You know, when the Lakers were going through their struggles on one of the worst teams in the NBA, lucky to win 20 games, then the, 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 those fans are hating on... Cleveland when LeBron went back and, and um, started signing different names, um, even though they drafted Kyrie Irving, they had already brought in Kevin Love and then LeBron James. Um, other pieces, I mean, Jared Smith, nobody really wanted Jared Smith. At that point in time, everybody thought Jared Smith was a, a joke and was more known for untying shoelaces, and it actually was a package deal. Cavaliers really wanted them on Shumper. Um, 
before that, Cleveland was hating on Miami for bringing those players in. And it's funny because if you go back before then, nobody cared about the fact that the Bulls did it. I mean, it's not like the Bulls drafted all those players and all those championship runs with Michael Jordan. I mean, yes, they drafted Michael Jordan, but they didn't draft the rest of that team. They went out and created a team, put a team together. But because it was Michael Jordan, people were not upset about it and, and complained about other super teams. San Antonio fans, you weren't mad when they put your, your team together. Boston, you're upset that Miami put the super team together. You, you kind of went through your phase when you when you you had Kay, uh, Kevin uh, Kevin Garnett and then um, Ray Allen, and when you you put your super team together, it's kind of the same way with the fans. Tampa Bay, you were mad. You're, what, what Tampa Bay was doing, putting teams together, but you sure have no problem with them putting a super team together in Tampa Bay, and you have no problem with everybody coming back again this year, all but AD at this point. It, it, it amazes me how, how hypocritical fans are. Because as long as it's your team, as long as it puts your team above the rest, they went along though the Brooklyn Met fans were were bitching, moaning, and crying. Oh, they put their team super team together. Look, look, look at Golden State. They they had to go get Kevin Durant, beat LeBron James. That's funny because then you went and got Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Blake Griffin, Aldridge. You you sure? put a pretty good team together yourself <laughs> for doing it. I don't know if it's necessarily good for sports. It's humorous when teams fail at it. Like, to watch the Yankees spend the amount of money, the ridiculous amount of money that they spend on their their on their, their uh, salaries, in a sport that has no salary cap and yet hardly wins championships, like the amount of money that the New York Yankees spend, I, I honestly would be pissed as the owner. I, I have the highest salary. We we spend way more than everybody else. We have all this revenue, and we can't we can't basically buy a championship. Like, how, how, how do we get all these players, have all these expensive contracts, and fall flat on our face? I'd be pissed. I mean, they, they just to be humorous. I think every sport should have a salary cap. I don't agree with the non-salary cap. Because the different sports that have mastered this, like the NBA, real big for the super teams, it, it would get to be ridiculous. Just imagine no salary cap in the NBA. Just imagine the super teams that would get put together then. At least now, there, there's at least some attempt of a restriction, but these teams all over it and pay these luxury taxes and everything else. I kind of wonder at times why there's really even a quote-unquote salary cap because teams are over them. The NBA, where you have a minimum roster, 
at least in baseball with the no salary cap, Yankees have kind of proven when you have to have nine players on the field and a whole pitching rotation and that putting the super team together and spending all this money with that many players, it doesn't necessarily work out in, in the NFL for the most part. You can you can put a you can put a super team. Oh, I'm not going to even use really the word super team. NFL they've learned how to maximize the rookie contracts. I mean, watch out in Seattle they draft all these young talented players. As long as everybody is on a rookie contract and and people aren't greedy, you go to the Super Bowl even multiple times. Once everybody gets a big head on themselves and and wants these big contracts, then the team kind of has to go a different direction and you start losing these players. Now, I don't want to do that. The Chiefs are about to go through that. The Rams went through that. NBA is a little more impactful. You only got five players on the field, on the court. You only got like a 13-man roster. So with the with the salary cap, you you gotta have players willing, veterans willing to play for a minimum or uh, discounted price to play with other superstars who are overpaid. Um, but to get the best players at the best value can to put a super team together. But once you put these super teams together, as we've watched with Boston, Chicago, the Lakers, Cavaliers, Spurs. Um, Golden State. Once you, you you're able to get the right veteran players to go along with it at a discounted price, you get teams that are unbeatable. Like I said, I I, I don't necessarily have a problem with it. I'm not going to hate on teams for doing it. I was enjoying watching the Cavaliers when LeBron was back. I, I let's say I considered it a super team. I mean, granted, you had we had Kevin Love and LeBron James and Kyrie Irving. Like I said, though, but LeBron James was ours in the first place. He just came back. We drafted Kyrie Irving. We 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 gave away end up being a good trade, but we gave away a lot to get Kevin Love. We gave what first round pick was it? Me and Wiggins, or we traded Wiggins. We gave away Dion Waiters, and it seemed like we gave something else up. Then the rest of the players that we built around that were veteran players, no superstar players that I can think of off the top of my head. What, uh, I can't think of his name. Um, Delavova. Delavova. Shumper, Richard Jefferson, I mean, come on, was, was his name one of those that's considered to be a superstar name that, that, that you would put on a super team? Only three, two of them we drafted. But I'm, I'm not necessarily against the, the whole super team. I just don't think it's necessarily good for sports, more so NBA. There only being five players, you, you put a super team together, it gets to be pretty lopsided and pretty hard for teams to compete with. 
it just it just cracked me up to to listen to fans sit there and bitch moan and cry about it. Like this year, you're against it, but now that you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and James Harden and Blake Griffin and Aldridge, now you're fine with it. Sure, you was against it, but this year, now that you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis and uh, Schroeder and Drummond and, and just come off a championship, now you're fine with it. Boston fans are, are now complaining about the Nets and their super team, but you have no problem with Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen winning a championship. Kind of re sparked the whole super team concept. It kind of had faded out for the most part until Boston really kind of kicked that back off. What was that, 2008 when they won the championship? Lord have mercy, Boston fans are mad at Miami. As much as I wasn't happy with the decision, let's be honest, though. Outside of those three, they've taken the super team to a whole new level now. Now you're looking at four or five players playing together. Let's be honest, when Miami did it, when when Boston did it, they only brought in, they only had a three really a big three. Everybody outside of that was really interchangeable. Nobody that anybody was really, even even when Cleveland did it. So once you get past Kevin Love, LeBron James, and Kyrie Irving, there wasn't nobody out there everybody would really die for. Tristan Thompson, maybe, but we drafted him. It wasn't like we and we drafted three out of the four players that you even want to throw them in there. It wasn't a big score, just a lot of rebounds. Teams now take it to a whole new level. They're, they're four, five, six deep. You got veterans left and right taking discounts when rings. They done made their money. They done played for sorry teams. Ain't winning a championship. Look, I done made my money. I want a ring now. They kind of taking it to, to a whole whole new level with that. kind of need to get past being upset with that. You you can't be you can't be upset one year. Then when your team throws that super team together, then be all for it. And I'm Team Brooklyn. Uh, I'm Team Golden State. It's like this is what basketball is now. And it, it's just funny with them old school basketball fans. Uh, they they didn't do it back in our day. They say. Oh, and you're going to convince me that the Chicago Bulls drafted all those players? Come on, they did the same thing. They just did it low key. Phoenix did the same thing when they went and got Barkley and tried to put their team together. So I'm not, I'm not going to hate on these teams. Hell, I wish Cleveland would grow up here and start trying to put the team back together. It's more depressing. It's, it's very depressing to know that. We're like the bottom two or three teams of the, the Eastern Conference at this point. We have we have Sexton, but outside of that, there's really nothing to compliment him with. 
and I would say the odds are when his contract's up, the way he's playing, he's going to go to a team that's competitive. That gives him a chance to be in the playoffs. That gives him possibly even a chance. I, I don't know about making it to the finals. Most of these teams that are going to the finals now have those high, high-end veteran players and are only looking for those players that are willing to take a pay cut. Sexton's still got another contract or two before he's, he, he's not gotten found his way to a championship or close to it, and then maybe. Like I said, fans, you, you gotta, you, you can't, can't bounce back and forth on, on what side of the fence you're gonna be on. Once again, like I said, it's, it's not, it's not great for the sport, especially in the NBA. But I'm also not going to be against them. I'm not going to bash it. This weekend, NASCAR decided that uh, we're, we're going to use this in various big air quotes here. They're going to race on dirt. You know, growing up, we we went to two local tracks. We went to Kilcare and we went to Sherwood. Both of them paid tracks. Both of them small track tracks, three-eighths of a mile, quarter-mile bumps, um, somewhere in that ballpark, maybe. I was really never introduced to the dirt track scene in, until I lived in North Carolina. Um, I had an opportunity a few times to go out to the Fayetteville Motor Speedway, um, and then there was the Dunn. Um, track as well that I, I got an opportunity to go to another dirt track. I actually like that dirt track a little bit better. It was never really, um, I don't know if it was just the level of talent, it seems like you, you constantly had cars spinning out. Now I'll, I'll, I'll watch on MAV TV and different things, some dirt races, and, and of course with the quality and the, the talent there, you had less cars spinning, less caution laps, or less uh, caution flags. There's really not caution laps. They don't, don't count those laps. I had an opportunity to go out to, uh, I don't even remember the name of the track. It's going to come back up on my timeline. I won't even remember. It was out by Charlotte. There was this track. Um, it was outside of Charlotte. Um, they actually run it the week um, in between the uh, All-Star Race and the 600 and uh, when they're running Charlotte and they run these basically go-kart modified with wings kind of ordeal um, Kyle Larson was out there Casey Kane had someone driving one of his cars there was there was a bunch of NASCAR drivers that made an appearance out there I got an opportunity to be out there and hang out and watch that and that, that was some pretty cool stuff um, Dirt track wasn't one of those things that, you know, you, you, we all have those dirt track fans, and when you're a dirt track fan, you're a dirt track fan, like, most, most those that go to dirt tracks or watch dirt races, they really are not a fan of NASCAR, they really don't want to watch anything ran on pavement, they, they want to be out at a dirt track. They wanted to watch dirt racing, and nothing, nothing against it. It's not how 
and where I was raised to watch or what I was raised to watch. And so I just never became a big fan of it. Like I said, watching the higher quality drivers, um, the, the more skill set drivers, the less wrecks and the less cautions and the less downtime, the better it was and the more enjoyable I got. it got for me. Um, NASCAR decided that they were going to throw a bunch of dirt on Bristol Motor Speedway and call it a dirt race. What essentially happened was you got about 10, 20 laps into the race and the dirt kind of cleared away and so you ended up just having some dirt blowing around on some pavement. <laughs> what it looked like. Um, somewhat mixed reviews more so on the side of enjoying it. It was, it was a great race to watch. Um, it was interesting. Um, it's hard for me to be on the favor side of the events because I'm a big for those that for those that have listened to this show and, and know me when it comes to racing there, there was buckle this two races two tracks particularly that were always on my bucket list that I, I've been to but it was always the Daytona 500 and Saturday Night Bristol two two events that I always wanted to go to and, and if I have a choice at any any race any track any time those are the two I'm going to pick and I, I've had an opportunity to be at the 500 a couple times just a couple years ago most recently I've been to the 400 a few times, and as part of the media, I've been to Bristol Saturday night. I've never done the day race, oddly enough, but I've, I've done the Saturday night race a handful of times. So I've gotten to experience, I, I think the only only regrets I have is I didn't actually get to be in the stands and, and watch a Bristol race in the stands, it would either being in the media center and basically catching the race on TV or most of the time I was down in pit road and in the infield and of course you're only catching sections of the race, you're catching what's coming in three and four, I mean don't get me wrong, there was a lot of action down there, there was a lot of things that I did not really, it didn't even, it didn't even cross my mind, like I, I remember the first wreck and that's when it finally clicked in my head, there's no garage area. And so they, they have these cars where we're walking around and you, you literally can see you putting your hands on the crew as they're working on the cars. Like it just didn't even cross my mind. Like they just kind of parked the car wherever they could and the crew come running over there working on the car like that. Damn, I never even thought about it. There's, there's no garage area down here. There, there's no, <laughs> there's no nothing. So to, to, to be on the side of pro dirt at Bristol's hard for me because that is that is number two if not right there number one and, 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 and I know it's hard for people to believe like damn you put that up there with the Daytona 500 but that's just I, I just something about Saturday night under the lights at Bristol the beating the banging that, that small track everybody compact like it is to me it's just a very intense insane track race period You sit there and watch a race that essentially to me 15 20 laps into it kind of blown out the way 
you're in the upper groove or bottom groove, yes, you're in the dirt. But essentially, if you're running the middle groove, running around the middle of the track, you're kind of half paved, half dirt. So, like, it's not really a dirt track. I have always been one that, um, I felt that NASCAR or the Cup Series needed to stay away from the dirt track. That Eldora, the truck, kind of made it where there, there was a big fan following. It was a big fan favorite race. That, that, that when trucks ran Eldora, all eyes were on the truck series. And it, it by far was the most popular truck race of the year and one of the most popular races in all three of the series, period. And, and I felt every series needed to have their track. Their, their thing that separated them from the other series that was for the, at least that weekend, that particular night or day, was something different that all eyes were on them. Watching the Bristol race, I kind of still have the same same feelings that the Truck Series, Eldora, that that kind of need to be a thing. But if we're going to, and I've already seen where they're talking about 2022 being back at Bristol in the dirt. One person said, "Do it Ernest Elias." Hey, well that might entice me a little bit more if they do it Ernest Elias. I feel if you're you're going to run the Cup Series in, or in the dirt, which I'm fine. That if that's what you're going to do, greater majority of the fans want to see that. I am. Uh, I, who am I to discuss? I I kind of like these series having different things that kind of set them apart. If we're going to do it, do it. But let's do a dirt track. Let's, let's not do a pavement that you're some dirt on. That's not truly a dirt track. Door is a prime example of a track that you could use. There, there's no doubt in my mind that Tony Stewart would let you all use the track. If not Eldora, find a track. Use a track somewhere in the United States. A dirt track. That will put on a hell of a show. Throwing dirt on uh, on a pavement track is, it, to me, it's a half-ass attempt. Half-ass attempt for NASCAR, who can't seem to grow the sport, cannot grow their popularity, has actually lost some of their fans that have converted over to being dirt fans and watching different series because they do things a little bit different or, or are not so political or rules changing and kind of controversial at times, you've lost fans. So a half-ass attempt to kind of bring those fans back or, or gain fans dirt on the pavement to me is kind of one of a smack in the face to the dirt fans out there. But two is not a true attempt to win fans over. If, if you're going to do it, do it all the way. Bring all three series in. Pick a track 
even if NASCAR's got to buy that track themselves, they own most of the tracks anyway. Do it in an outdoor, whatever the case may be, but let's do it right. Let's, let's not half-ass this and kind of insult the dirt fans and those race fans of other types of racing to halfway attempt to gain more fans and expand your fan base because it's really more insulting than anything. Tomorrow night are, are, are going to jump into this race, and, and for the most part, they, they, you know, they applaud NASCAR, they applaud Bristol, they applaud the, the track officials, and, you know, I would say the track officials and, and those that went into and put the effort into what they had to do to, to put on the show, they put on, I applaud them, that, that, that was a lot of work. But I just feel that the amount of effort and the amount of time and the amount of money that was spent and the 20,000 truckloads of dirt that came in could have bought a track and built it up or you could have rented a, a track or you, you could have put on a show on a track that was already a dirt track and had just the same amount of success and what's crazy is you're still in fan reduction. There, there, there weren't that many fans in the stands because you're, you're still limited. So you could have really picked any track, any dirt track. Because that, that, that's going to be one of the first arguments for NASCAR is, well, we need to be able to have all these, you know, seats and put the fans in, you know, these seats. Okay, you weren't allowed to have that many fans. There was hardly any view, any camera shot that I saw that you hardly saw that many fans. So this was a prime opportunity, and next year, I'm sure we're still going to be on some kind of restriction. Two-week curve has turned into freaking years and change at this point. I, I, I don't see the political parties letting the, letting, the, letting the people have the power back. They're, they're enjoying their power. You, you have a year, two-year opportunity to test out different tracks or get a, a use the track, find out if it works and build fans and make it where you could hold more fans. You, you plenty of opportunity here. Like seating was not even really an issue this year. And you could have done this right and went from there. Instead you worried about putting dirt on pavement to make sure you had plenty of seats for a, a track that you could hardly have anybody at, and you have half ass did it. I said the guys are going to get the, into this tomorrow night, um, and uh, much, much more. Um, so we're going to talk about Daniel Suarez, who up until a week ago had never even ridden on dirt, um, led most more laps. Um, Last night in the race, than he's led in his whole career. Um, had a still a top three finish. I want to say he finished third, even second or third, but top three finish. Um, your dirt ringers, it was, uh, I think, third. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse ended up finishing second. Yeah, two of the knobs. 
Um, your dirt track ringers didn't have the, the night that he was expecting as uh, Christopher Bell, I think that's why I ended up picking for the race, um, got loose up in the dirt up above and then took out Kyle Larson with them and um, it just wasn't a night for those that we thought were going to do good in the dirt. But uh, um, the guys are going to cover that. Uh, got to guess what that night was kind of one of the reasons why they end up picking tomorrow night versus tonight, even though I'll talk about that with the show, um, which I could have shipped at night, but uh, that was more of their guest one. So uh, make sure you guys tune in tomorrow night, 8 o'clock, right here on the 110 Nation Sports Radio Network for Race Chat Live. Um, Chris Craig and uh, Taz will be in the studio, so make sure you guys check that out. Um, I will be back in the studio next Tuesday night, 8 o'clock. So make sure you guys check that out. Um, like us on Facebook, 110 Nation Sports. Make sure you guys give uh, the guys um, Race Chat Live a like on their page, Race Chat Live. Um, you guys can follow us on Twitter, at 110 Nation. Check out the site, www.the110nationsports.com for all the latest going on here at the 110 Nation. Um... Uh, Anything else I need to throw out there? A lot of different things, a lot of different buttons and various patterns and sound effects. Um, I for listening to the 110 Nation Sports Show with Mr. CJ Sports. You are a part of the 110 Nation, so be sure to visit the 110nation.com for everything related to the show. You can follow CJ on Twitter at 110nation and on Facebook at 110nation sports. Until next time. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.